That was good, guys. That was really good. Did a great job leading us today. Thank you for that. Um, next time we see, I want to see a lot more people jumping around. That's cool. Thank you. Please take a seat. Today's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to kind of, it's like the bonus features of, say, an old DVD. You're going to go behind the scenes. I'm going to, going to show you what my process is when I'm coming to the Bible. Because I, I think that the Bible is the key element in our Christian life that helps us to develop as a Christian. Um, coming to church is great. Praying is great. Um, all of those things have a very important place, but I think the Bible is key. Uh, it kind of comes off the back of Ben's video message last week about um, the walk, um, walking on the Word today. Every year I go on a Christmas hunt. I, I look for books. I look for pre-read books. I look for great content and good condition books. And you'll see me at Salvation Army. You'll see me at the um, Save the Children. You'll see me at St. Vincent de Paul. And I am looking for particular books because I want them to go in a Christmas stocking for my family. I'm looking for books that don't cost a lot because <laughs> they're in a Christmas stocking, but I want them to be really good. So I'm looking for maybe $3, $2, sometimes 50 cents. Sometimes the Salvation Army have this thing where you take a shopping bag, which you have to buy from them, um, and then you can fill it up and you can get a whole bag of books for $10, like amazing value. At the Save the Children thrift shop the other day, there was actually a table of books that was absolutely free. Couldn't believe it. I didn't even have to go into the shop. They were outside near the entrance. So I just stood out there looking through all the free books and found some really good ones. Um, it seems to me, though, that books have lost their staying power. When a, a second-hand store says, please don't send in any more books, we've got too many. We can't cope, too many books. Um, they've kind of become a disposable commodity in our society. They are no longer reread. A lot of people read a book once, partly read a book, and then give it to a charity shop. Books don't hold their value like they once did. But it's not the same with the Bible. The Bible's in a different league altogether. The Bible is life in itself. B.B. Um, Warfield, the 19th century American theologian, said the Bible is the word of God in such a way that the Bible speaks. And when the Bible speaks, God speaks. Words spoken or written, are inseparable from the voice of their author. So when I read the Word of God with a heart for God, I can hear the voice of God and I can sense the heart of God. And we all can do that. Because just as God is dynamic and mysterious, ever constant and ever changing, so is His Word. 
The writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 4, verse 12, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. A.W. Tozer cleverly wrote, The Bible is the written word of God, and because it's written, it's confined and limited by the necessities of ink, paper, and bounding. Today, we might add pixels and bitrate as well. The voice of God, says Tozer, is, however, alive and free as the sovereign God is free. Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 63, The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Tozer goes on, The life is in the speaking words. God's word in the Bible can have power only because it corresponds to God's word in the universe. It is the present voice which makes the written word powerful. Otherwise, it'd be lying locked in slumber within the covers of a book. So depending on our discipleship background, our stage of life, um, we might approach the Bible differently. We might have a plan or a daily routine that we might, that we might uh, subscribe to. We might follow uh, popular topics or um, some current event or current uh, topic. Or we might even pursue a study of the Bible based on the issues that we're facing ourselves. And they're all valuable methods to come to God's Word. Providing that if we follow a system that we don't get too legalistic and beat ourselves up because we missed a day. Um, or if we follow trends and themes, we don't want to get kind of biased to select only the really good, happy, nice ones. We want to kind of always kind of go to the milk. We want to think along the things that are easy for us. I think we have to be careful that we don't do that. And if personal issues are our driver, then we have to kind of make a, an idea in our head that we're going to work towards a resolution of that issue through the word rather than getting in the vortex of um, thinking only about that issue and becoming so introspective we don't get out of that. So I think we'd all benefit from an emphasis shift. I'm going to suggest to you today that we shift from reading the Word. And there's nothing wrong with reading the Word, and people have been reading the Word of God for ages. But I think reading is level one category kind of approach to the Bible. I believe our emphasis should be not just reading, but seeing God in His Word. Not just hearing, but listening for his voice and not just getting an intellectual understanding but getting a heart knowing. Leonard Ravenhill, the English evangelist and author said, the question is not whether we know the word of God. The question is, do we know the God of the word? In our time poor lives with 2024 stretching out before us, I bring this challenge to us today 
to incorporate more of the Word of God seamlessly and expectantly into our everyday life. This year, I pray that there'll be an upward curve in all our lives in introducing thoughtful meditation, spiritful revelation, and playful imagination in and around our study and reading of the Word of God. I think if we implement those three components, it'll cause us to find God more clearly and more evidently, and we'll also avoid the reading rut where we just, you know, we're going to do it. It's like a punishment almost. Now, these three components, meditation, revelation, and imagination, I think they should be present every time we come to the Bible. But they're not a stepwise recipe for reading the Bible. So step one, meditation, step two, it's not like that. I think sometimes on different occasions, one or the other might take the focus. Sometimes they might all three be together. And this is how I approach the Bible. So what I want to do today is a little bit different um, because I want to introduce you to my method. Um, it's just one way to approach the Word of God. But I hope you'll find it uh, useful and maybe something that you could attempt to implement in your own uh, reading and understanding of the Scripture. So I'm going to take you way back, okay? So into the kind of the nooks and crannies of my, my Bible um, process. So first of all, one time when I was at the Salvation Army shop, I discovered an old Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Um, it's a King James Version and it, it is uh, got all of the good stuff in it that the Chain Reference Bible has where you, you're reading through and at the left in the margin there is information that can take you to another place. It can be topical or it could be just following through um, that particular word as it's used in other places in the scripture. So I have a Thompson Chain Reference Bible. I have a New Living uh, Translation paperback Bible and I have an Amplified Bible because I'm a musician. I also, <clears throat> I also read my, <clears throat> at night time, I read my grandmother's family Bible, which is a King James Version. But you do you. So you have to, like if you've got a different version, that's fine. I'm not saying change to the versions that I've suggested. I'm just saying this is how I do it. And I've also found these apps really useful when I come to the Bible. The U version, the Bible app. Um, the Bible hub. And another one called the Blue Letter Bible. Now, the Bible Hub and the Blue Letter Bible are really good because they take you through the scripture, but they also have links to uh, other uh, commentaries, other like concordances. There's Greek dictionaries and Hebrew dictionaries. Um, and they're very, very useful for finding the background. Like when you're trying to meditate on the scripture and trying to get some understanding, it's useful to go back and to see, hey, what did they actually say in the original? And those two uh, apps are really good. The other thing that I suggest you do, and which I do, is have a notebook. Um, because 
it's really useful, like, I don't think it's, well, it may be a question of age, but I don't think it's necessarily a question of age. Sometimes I just don't remember. I'll mention something to Kathy, and then half an hour later I'll say, what was that verse I said? I can't remember. She can't remember either, but... Um, well, on that occasion, she couldn't. Um, but the reason why you take notes, and I think this is really important for all you Gen um, X's, Y's, and Z's, is that um, note-taking, it's actually been proven that note-taking handwriting improves your short-term and long-term memory, and it allows you some time as you're taking those notes, writing them longhand, to give some critical thought to what you're writing, and it also helps you to expand your ideas and it also helps you to connect different ideas. Something that you wrote before, oh, that's over there. And you don't have to go zip, 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 no, no, wrong page. You can actually circle that, put a big arrow over to the other side of the page and connect the ideas. So I encourage you, uh, a little notebook is a really handy thing. And then allow some time. To zone in. Now, we all have busy um, lives, so your time may be different to my uh, amount of time, but whatever time you've got, I think you should uh, approach the Bible um, in this way pray. And then, having prayed, breathe. So, I'm going to pray for us now, and then I'm going to show you, like by example, the kind of thing that I would do when I say breathe, I don't mean just going, <sighs> there's, a, there's a, a way of doing that as you approach the word. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is rich, that it is alive, that it is powerful, and you want us to get to know you through your word, through what you have spoken the words that you speak are life and they are spirit. And that's what we pray today, that you'd lead us in that in Jesus' name. Amen. So then I would say something like, okay, I'm coming to God's word. I'm breathing out and I'm breathing out all of those preconceived thoughts that I've got. I'm just going to physically breathe out, but I'm thinking in my mind, I'm taking all of those thoughts captive and I'm breathing them out. I don't want them to get in the way. Distractions, I don't want them to get in the way. I'm breathing that out. And then I'm going to breathe in. And as I breathe in, I'm breathing in and I'm saying, God, on this intake of breath, would you renew my mind? Would your spirit come and reveal truth? Would you open up and expose my thinking and meditating on your word? Show me you. In the scripture, I breathe out those old things. I breathe in the new thing, the thing that you want me to hear today. And then I'm ready. Now, you might have a short time, as I said, you might have a longer time, but it doesn't matter because the Bible's written in sentences, which means that you can look at a sentence at this particular session. And then if you don't have time to go further, pick up where you left off next time. I think that's a glorious thing that God spoke in sentences. We're going to look at Psalm 19 together. Now, it's very interesting when I was looking at this, and you may have found this too, that Psalm 19 is all about the Word, but also Psalm 119 is all about the Word. 
Have you ever found this kind of correlation in Scripture? Um, there's another famous one with all the 316s of the Bible. So Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of God dwell in you richly. And 2 Timothy 3.16 says the word of God is valuable for all of these other reasons. So we've got these interesting things that kind of line up and can help you with your memorization of Scripture as well. Take advantage of those. Anyway, Psalm 19. Now, I'm going to lead you through what I... What I do, so you look up on the screen and you'll see the words. And we first of all, we're thinking those three things, meditation, revelation, and imagination. First one, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. So I'm thinking the heavens proclaim Proclaim. That's an interesting word. We don't use that word much. Proclaim. What does it mean? So I'm thinking now, proclaim the glory of God. Tell the glory of God. Shout the glory of God. And I'm remembering stuff that I've read about the people in the olden days that used to run it, walk along with the bell. And they'd ring their bell and they'd say, hear ye, hear ye. Da, 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 da. And they'd say whatever they would say and they'd move on and they'd, do it in another place, the town crier. The heavens proclaim. I'm getting that idea that it's calling for my attention. The heavens are calling for my attention. And then I'm thinking, as I meditate on that, when was the last time I looked up at the sky? When did I look and see what the heavens are proclaiming? The glory of God. So, when we get out of the room today and you're outside, have a look up and see what is in the sky, see what's in the heavens, see what God might be speaking to you about his glory. The next part said, the skies display his craftsmanship. Now I could read on quickly, but I want to just dwell on the idea of craftsmanship. Kathy and I have been looking at um, a number of uh, videos of Grand Designs, the House of the Year 2022. And often the commentators are speaking about the craftsmanship in the house construction and in the internal features of the house. And you can see when the, the camera goes up close, you can see it's very detailed, the craftsmanship of that. Now that's a house, that's a very high-end house, and it's very expensive. What the Bible is telling me that the skies display God's craftsmanship, his attention to detail, his high end finishing. Um, God has spared no expense in creating the heavens, creating the skies. Next verse day after day, they continue to speak. So it's relentless. When I give up, the skies continue. When my voice gets hoarse, the skies continue. Night after night, they make him known. So it's not even, it's not even just a daytime thing. It's a nighttime thing. I'm thinking about this as I meditate on these words. I'm thinking, wow, the nighttime 
is just as vibrant to God in communication as the daytime. Night after night, they make him known. Verse 3, they speak, this is crazy, they speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, verse 4, yet their message has gone throughout the earth. At the end of verse 3, there's a little A. Mate, did that come up on the thing? Okay. When you look at it in the um, scripture, there's a little A. Now, the little A's are like footnotes. So my encouragement to us all is always check the footnote. Um, the footnote, if I go down to the bottom of, of that, it says... There is no speech or language where the voice is not heard. So the translator has um, played around with the words a little bit to make it give some meaning, but it actually, it could also be rendered their speech or language where their voice is not heard. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. So that means that everybody gets to hear it in their own language. They speak without a sound. Their voice is never heard. Now, this is also an interesting rendering. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth. So I'm meditating on this and I'm thinking, what's my life like? So this is in my process of Bible study. I'm not preaching to you. I'm just taking you back to, the, back to my process. What's my life like? Does my life speak? Does my life proclaim the glory of God? Does my life show the craftsmanship of God? Um, can people tell something about God even if I don't say anything? And if I do speak, are people hearing about God when I speak? Now, I don't have to actually even physically say to someone something about God, but the way I deal with other people might be the thing that creates an awareness of God. There's a word in verse 4, their message has gone throughout. The word message, I, I wanted to dig a little bit deeper in this. So I looked this word up in the Blue Letter Bible. And in the Hebrew, the word means line or cord, measuring cord. And then it had a little sub-meaning which said a musical string. Or a sound. I thought, as a muso, I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. Their message has gone out through all the earth. Their sound has gone through all the earth. Their music has gone through all the earth. It's a communicating message. Anyway, I like that. And their words go to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. Reading on verse 5. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. So that whole section about the sun, I was thinking, now this is interesting. We just had this whole section on God's word and in the skies, and now we've got this section on the sun. I thought to myself, how does that kind of 
the sun moving across the sky, how does that kind of relate to the word of God? And then immediately, almost immediately, but pretty close on asking that question, this Bible verse came into my mind. It's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It always accomplishes what I want it to. This is Isaiah 55, 11. And it will prosper wherever I sent it. That's like the sun. The sun comes out. It goes across the sky. It rises one end, follows its course. Nothing hides from its heat. Everybody feels the effect of the sun. It's like God's word. It goes out. And it accomplishes what he sent it out to do. And I really like the imagery. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. Now, if you've, you've been married for a while, maybe that wedding day uh, is a distant memory. But if you're a, a recent uh, wedding, uh, what would you say? If you've recently been married, that's probably better. And you're the, you were the bridegroom. You might remember, as, as I remember, but you'll definitely have a fond memory of that, that first time you head back to work or something like that and, and people say, how's married life? And you just can't help but go, <laughs> bursting forth. This is the sun bursting forth like a bridegroom after his wedding. There's a lot of joy there. There's a lot of happiness there. It rejoices like a great athlete. And when the Olympic Games were on, uh, I guess it was the Sydney ones, the uh, Jamaican athlete, uh, Usain Bolt, um, he used to be at the, the starting line for the sprint races and he would, he'd have his little kind of thing that he'd do and then he'd always have his little, I don't know what the thing was around his neck, but he'd have that and then he'd go like this and then he'd point up to the sky. Um, I thought... He's pointing to God. That's what I thought. And is rejoicing like that athlete getting ready for the, the race. Uh, so I'm just checking the time now. So we've come partway through the psalm. And I've got, this is my process, okay? So I've been meditating. I hope you've seen some meditation there. Some revelation was the question of how do I... How does my life proclaim the glory of God? That was a revelation to me. And my imagination, obviously, I've been talking about bridegrooms and the sun and the sky. There's a lot of, all of those things go into creating um, the um, approach that I have to the scripture. So if you are a person who has been recently um, reading the scripture and just reading I hope that today you've been able to see that there is more to hearing from God and hearing God's voice than just reading reading's level one entry level and it's really it's good to do I'm not saying don't do it but for this year 2024 can I encourage us all to step into the next level think about meditation think about listening for revelation and think about how you can use your playful imagination in hearing from God 
and and really enlivening the scripture because the the words Jesus said, the words that I speak are spirit, and they are life. So we'll get the um, the band to come back, and um, we're going to sing sing the first song, the the praise song. Now I'm always disappointed because we don't get to do the first part. Um, if you've listened to this song on a recording, you'll know, but. We get to sing some really good proclamations here. So can I encourage you, as we sing it to finish up, to close our service off, if you're young, old, in between, if you're a a child from uh, the kids' church and you're sitting in with mum and dad today, can you sing it with me? I'm I'm not going to lead it, but um, I'm going to stay up on stage and sing it. Do I need to pass this microphone to anyone else, Tim? Yeah, is this all right? I, don't, I can't see you, you're in the dark. I've got a thumbs up. All right, so um, Ali's going to come and lead it, but I'm going to sing along as well. So this would be really cool. <laughs> 